welcome to Cancer Casually. I'm your host, Lindsay DeLong, and I'm the managing editor of The Fullest. I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 33 when my boyfriend found a lump and made me go get it checked out. A year and a half later, I'm now cured, healthy, and can kinda talk about it all without crying. Each week, I interview inspiring survivors who have come out on the other side of cancer or who are still battling it. We'll talk about our lives before, during, and after cancer and share what we've learned so that our listeners can look at their own lives through a new perspective, whatever that may be. Here's not just how to live with cancer, but how to be there for someone and how to cope as a co-survivor, because it's not just a disease that affects you, it affects everyone around you. With this podcast, we hope to inspire others to grasp life, no matter what comes at you, and always live it to the fullest. Hi, I'm Lindsay DeLong, and this is Cancer Casually. Today, I'm here with Brooke Arthur, who is diagnosed with endometrium cancer in June of 2017 at the age of 39. Not only has she fully recovered, but she made cancer actually look kind of fun and a bald head look cool. Through her positive attitude, supportive friend group, and loving boyfriend, she's made this chapter of life appear somewhat easy, or at least that's how it looks on Instagram. Brooke and I were connected through some mutual friends, and I contacted her to ask her to share a behind-the-scenes look at her story. To start things off, um, tell me about your diagnosis. Why did you go to the doctor? Did you think something was wrong? Um, I mean, you're young. What? That? Why? Yeah. Why did that happen? Um, well, I guess the beginning of it all started um, on... January 1st, actually, of 2017, I uh, had had a very mellow New Year's Eve Mm -hmm. um, in consideration of all the past New Year's Eves I've had um, and was on the couch with my boyfriend uh, watching a movie at like eight o'clock at night and um, got up to go to the I felt something strange in my um, like pants, basically. And I got up to go to the bathroom and um, I started like uh, I, I massively started like losing blood and started losing blood in like really large blood clots. Oh, wow. Um, like it was, I mean, I don't know how to describe it besides it felt like golf balls size things were dropping out of me. Wow. And um, obviously I told my boyfriend immediately from the bathroom that I needed to go to the emergency room. And in a period of just like from that moment until we got into the car I had these like black leggings on and they were completely soaked in blood and I had like wrapped myself up with a black sweater because I I like tampons were just falling out of me and I couldn't control anything that was happening so we got there um I finally got in uh I passed out in the hospital and they when that happened they like immediately rushed me into the emergency area and connected me to all kinds of things and um you know it was a really a short emergency room experience the blood I I fell asleep um I they made sure I was okay they did a um scans inside of my uterus and uh, like an ultrasound like an ultrasound Yeah. yeah and um and they kept me there for a while and then the ultrasound came back and they just said that they didn't see anything and they um, told me that I needed to go see a specialist, like my gynecologist uh-huh. uh, immediately. And uh, I mean, I just, and just literally, I kind of left that night very early with really no results. And um, obviously I was very upset. I didn't want to leave the emergency room because I, it was, I mean, it was like the most horrendous thing that had happened to me at yeah. that point, you know, and you knew something was wrong. Yeah. And so I made an appointment with my, um, gynecologist and ended up going, um, not shortly thereafter, you know, and, uh, and I was still, uh, like, I think it was the next day actually. And I was still passing blood clots. Um, and they were of various sizes. They put me on the, they immediately put me on this like hormone pill that makes your bleeding kind of subside. What, what's it called? I can't remember now what it's called, but it was a, just a really light, um, estrogen pill. Uh And, um, 
they, I had had a IUD um, mm -hmm. for about eight years at that point, which I think IUDs, they tell you to get out in nine, nine years, but they really kind of want you to get them out earlier than that. Mm -hmm. So when I went in, she assumed through without doing any tests and she didn't look at any scans or anything either, but she just by hearing what had happened, assumed that I had some kind of infection around the entry point of my IUD and that it had blocked um, bl blood that somehow had gotten released. And so she made an appointment immediately for me to get my IUD taken out, um, which is a very simple process. I mean, they, they literally just like tell you to breathe and go one, two, three, and it's out. Yeah. Um, and, and then I kept continuing to be on those, um, that estrogen for a little while longer. Um, and then in May, my boyfriend and I, for his birthday, uh, went to Sedona and, um, I started my period right before then. And I just had this like really horrible period, like all the cramping and, and just everything that was going on was like massively abnormal. Um, my, I could barely like do anything. Like my energy level was so low and I was, I didn't know what was wrong. And, um, and the flow was really heavy. Uh, every period I had had since that had happened, the flow was like really, really heavy. And I called her back and, um, and she made an appointment for me to come. I think it was the next month. Um, so that passed and it was okay. And then were and then, you worried that whole time? Like, did, could you feel something was wrong or? Did yeah. You... I mean, like I for sure knew something was uh -huh. wrong. Um, everything that doctors told me up until then was just like, you know, this is just things that are happening in your body and you're getting older and, you know, like, um, it was all just really generic sounding like stuff. So, uh, it wasn't until then June, I started my period and I was home alone. My boyfriend works nights at a bar and he, he, I was home alone and I had such terrible cramping that I, it like immobilized me. I, I was laying in my bed and, um, I, it was nothing that I'd ever felt before. Like it felt worse than cramps. Like I called him and was like, I think I'm going to call the emergency room or um, the ambulance. Yeah to come because this is not normal. And then I realized I had a old ibuprofen, like an 800 milligram or something. And I took that and it immediately, and I had a heating pad, but it immediately subsided like all the pain and I just passed out. So then the next morning I called my, my, uh, gynecologist again and told her what had happened. And she had me come in and scheduled me for a pretty routine check to see what's going on inside your uterus. And, and what they do is they um, put a catheter in your uterus and then they fill your uterus with like um, this solution that makes on the monitor um, when they, when they do the. Oh, the ultrasound. The ultrasound. The ultrasound yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it makes it so on the black and white screen, anything that may be it in glows. there that's not supposed to glows. Yeah. Yeah. So she, I mean, the screen was right in front of me and she saw a few things and she showed me, um, but she, I mean, there was literally no alarm in her, in her voice. I mean, she was like, these are, yeah, there's looks like a polyp here and a polyp there. And you may have some situation there, but none of it was like explaining itself to me. Yeah. Like it, it, I mean, you just kind of go with what the doctors tell you at that point, but I mean, nothing nothing made sense. Like it still didn't make sense that I was having blood clots. It still didn't make sense that I had that much bleeding and, and ha so much cramping just from that. But that's what they were associating it to. They also said I could have like this gene that makes you bleed a lot and mm -hmm. there's nothing that you can do about it or like a bunch of other things. Um, and at that doctor's appointment was actually the first time that I really stood up for myself. And I was like, I, you know, I know something is way worse than what you're saying. Yeah. You I, have to be your own advocate because you know your body the, the most. Yeah. And I had never really done that in a doctor's office before, but I just was like, I need you to do every test that there is to do at this point, you know, like whatever you have to do. And, and they were, they agreed and they did it all. And then, um, it was like two days later that she called me back after they had gotten the, um, 
report back from the sample that they had taken that it was cancer. Oh, wow. And I was home by myself and she called me and told me over the phone. She told you over the phone? Yeah, she, I mean, to her benefit, I think she didn't, I, I, I'm pretty sure that she didn't feel like she handled the whole situation, right? Oh, okay. Um, I think she felt like she missed something. Oh. And, um, she was a, she's a new doctor at mm-hmm. Cedar Cyanide and, um, I mean, she was heavily educated and yeah. all that good stuff, but, um, she called and she was just like, I feel like, you know, I could tell you to come in, but I don't want to wait and I want to get this taken care of now. And, um, so yeah, I, um, the rest of the pathology report came back and it was, um, a lot more aggressive than they initially had thought that it was. It was, um, a special kind of cancer that, uh, was super aggressive, um, at that point, they couldn't determine the stage, but they had seen that it had grown from the the endometrium is the lining of your uterus that it had grown through the inter- endometrium into the myometrium, which is the outside um, layer of your uterus. Okay. And um, and was spreading pretty quickly. So, wow. So then, within um, I think they gave me like ten days to think about it <laughs> and to like. <laughs> talk to everybody and yeah. then my hysterectomy was scheduled. Okay. So right your then. first move was the hysterectomy. Yeah. Okay. And then how, how were you emotionally like getting this? What was that like? I know for me, I was just like, they, I also had like 10 days before I started chemo and like, they were like, Oh, you can freeze your eggs if you want to. And I'm like, I want to have kids. But like, I was talking to people that had frozen their eggs before, and then it had made the cancer spread into their lymph nodes. And I didn't want to do that. Um, take that, um, that chance because mine was also, um, aggressive. Um, so how, how did you deal with that emotional, emotional like time of where you have to have make these big decisions and life decisions that are going to affect you forever um well I mean hearing over the phone that you have cancer is probably you know the worst thing I could ever (laughs) imagine hearing I mean I'm sure there's worse things out there I always tell myself that (laughs) because there are a lot of bad things out there um but that's like one of the worst. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think just cancer is so crazy in that even before I ever had it or knew I had it, you think about it and you're like, wow. I mean, it's like literally something I thought about like, oh, you, who, who, everyone could be walking around and not know they have it. And yeah. so like to have that actually come true, I had actually had a counseling appointment, like just my regular counselor, um, when I had found out about everything and she was like, well, let's just talk through worst case scenario. And, um, and she was like, what is your biggest fear? And I had said, um, hysterectomy because my mother actually had one, not for any cancer related reason for completely different stuff. But, um, you know, and I am 39. So, uh, I, for, for lots of other reasons, haven't had children yet. And, um, and yeah, I, you know, I, I don't ever think you think about children as something that you, some people may like, know they don't want them, Mm -hmm. but, um, for me and just the way my life track has gone, like I, it just hasn't worked out yet. So, and, and I had really kind of come to peace with the idea that maybe I wouldn't, but not ever shut the door, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, my, my boyfriend came over immediately. I called him. He came straight from work and we sat actually where you and I are sitting right now. And the first thing I said was um, that we need to talk about children. And wow. it was like the first thing I said. And uh, he told me that we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I, I, I act to be perfectly honest with you. Like it isn't probably until now that some of those sad feelings have started to really hit me. Mm -hmm. Um, I was so immediately like without even a hesitation, uh, filled with the feeling of get it out of me, you know, Mm -hmm. get the cancer out of me. Yeah. So, um, 
I, I didn't even think about it twice at that point. Um, they weren't able to give me very much information, which I don't know how you feel, but like, I feel like one of the worst things about cancer is just how little information they're able to give you in general. Yeah. But until they did the hysterectomy, they couldn't tell me a lot of different things. Um, like, would I, like, would I be able to keep my, um, ovaries and, uh, all that stuff? He he had no, when I met my oncologist, he had no way of telling me a lot of things until he was in there. So, um, so I didn't know until afterwards that it, it all was taken out. And, oh, okay. Yeah. And what, how do you recover from that? And how long did you have to recover before your next step? And was your next step chemo? Yep. Okay. So I went in after the cancer call, I went in and met um, Dr. Andrew Lee. I only say his full name because he's probably one of the most amazing doctors. Oh. I, I, lo I really felt lucky in having him. Um, and we talked about the hysterectomy. Um, we talked about uh, what Cedars does in terms of um, their different, uh, their different treatment plans. Uh -huh. um, he really still, we still had a lot of waiting to do to find out what stage it was because they didn't know the stage until after they had biopsied all of the uterus and everything. So, um, so he couldn't tell me exactly my treatment then, but, um, but yeah, they, they told me, they did tell me that like, okay, you're going to get the hysterectomy. You're going to have a two week recovery and then you're going to go start treatment like the next week. Yeah. Um, and obviously he knew that I would be doing chemo. So, um, from just the small pathology that they had had on the polyp. So that was all scheduled. I mean, like even before my hysterectomy, um, the hysterectomy was awful. I mean, it was, it was a huge surgery. I mean, I'd never had any kind of surgery like that before. Um, they did it laparoscopically. Um, and, and my doctor actually is one of the last doctors who, who does laparoscopic, um, hysterectomies, uh, by hand instead of robotically. He actually still teaches students how to do them by hand, which is really oh, wow, cool. Yeah. Um, so it was, I mean, at that point there was just like a lot of questions and a lot of deep diving into the internet, which was a really bad oh my gosh. idea. So bad. I mean, yeah, it was just a lot of horrific <laughs> nights of mm -hmm. crying and those beginning weeks were just really bad. Like I, I, I couldn't sleep at all. I was, you know, I mean, that that's when you're, the idea of dying is just like yeah. such a thing in your mind and in your face. So, um, what did, what helped you through that time? Um, probably, I mean, really my, my boyfriend, yeah. probably mostly, um, every time I'd start to go down a really dark hole, he would, he would, you know, talk to me, talk to me about how we need to not think about that. Tell me that I was going to be okay. You know, like talk about factual stuff that they had told me to really kind of like jolt my brain into remembering that we weren't at that point, you know, and that, um, that most, that, that the doctors had said I wouldn't be at that point, like all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the, I, the, the just non-definition of so many facts, like that at that point were really hard for me to deal with. Cause I, I think if I, I think just in general for me and my, the way my brain works, like if I can prepare for something, I do a lot better. Mm -hmm. Um, I had also been in like a really bad accident, um, like 10 years ago where I was hospitalized and almost died. So I had kind oh. of gone through this whole crazy experience where, um, it was a lot more kind of factual. Um, yeah. and the doctors like got me better. And so I was, I think my brain was really trying to kind of like use that past experience to make this one yeah. work out. And it just wasn't like, just look at the steps and follow the steps like a check mark. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But you can't really do that when they don't really know exactly what is going on. Yeah. My family was great too. Um, you know, I think in the beginning they were, they did the best they can with finding out. Yeah. So it, I think it's really hard because you feel, I felt like I needed to be strong for them. So, um, you know, yeah. I think my boyfriend was probably the only person through the whole time that I didn't, I didn't have to feel like I had to yeah. be strong for. I mean, I did, but yeah, 
Yeah. Well, um, how long were you and your boyfriend together before this or before you were diagnosed? Um, about three years. Okay, so you guys have yeah. been together for a long yeah, yeah. time. Wow. And so how how did that? I know he like that's what I see on Instagram when I met him <laughs> earlier today. I was like, hi, super excited because <laughs> I feel like I know him, and I know that's the same as how my boyfriend felt because I'm like, Manny, 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 Manny did this, Manny did this. He dressed up like Santa Claus and went to chemo. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, yeah, like uh, how was that behind, like I said in the intro, um, how you made cancer look to everyone on the outside was, um, uh, was it looked like you, you were having a fine time. I mean, obviously it's obvious that you're not having fun through it, but you were always like, I mean, you just, your Instagram is full of fun and positivity. And like all your friends are doing these, like wearing hats with your name, Hawaiian print and just doing fun things that made it look good what was it what's it really like behind the scenes and what was that like for your relationship um having to be like the um you're in a relationship and you have this passion for each other and then all of a sudden you get diagnosed and then your relationship uh changes yeah well that first um doctor's appointment that we had with um, the oncologist, the first ever one I, we left and I was obviously a wreck and, um, I literally saw a park that not probably six blocks away from where we were and asked him to pull over. And he was like, okay. And I was, I walked out into the park and we sat down and literally like, I, the first words out of my mouth were that I wanted to break up. Oh, Um, and I mean, I don't, it's probably really telling of like the kind of person that I am, but, um, I just went through that, like in my brain, and I don't know if it was like this for you, but in my brain, like I could foresee all of the pain and misery and how long it was going to be. And like, I knew, I knew myself and how I was going to deal with it and like how difficult I, I was going to have a, of a time dealing with it. And, um, I just like really couldn't imagine putting anyone through that. And my first inclination was really that I should do it on my own, that like, I should not feel like I needed to burden somebody else. Um, that wasn't my family, you know, like, I mean, family is family. You kind of, yeah, tell them what to do in certain <laughs> ways yeah but like um I just I really foresaw like the the anger and the sadness and the depression and the um you know craziness of it all um right out the gate and I just obviously he was like, we're getting back in the car and we're going home. Yeah. Um, he didn't even give it like a whole lot of thought. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I, in terms of the social media stuff, I actually, my sister Tanya had told me to look you up because she had known you and you were going through it. And, uh, and I remember the first time that I looked you up and started looking through through it and I couldn't even do it like I just burst into tears and like shut shut it down um I think that was a right around after I had gotten my hysterectomy but the um the idea of announcing it on social media was something I really like tangled with inside and um I have like just through work I have this like really large extended family of people that are friends and family that I've built that is so big because of the industry that I work in and, um, and I just, I didn't want to have to have somebody hear it and then another person hear it and be questioning why I didn't tell them or like anything like that. And it was just like, I went through and looked at how you very first announced it. I remember, and I like actually think I formatted my announcement very similar (laughs) to yours and like kind of made it my own, but I just 
really remember how much I enjoyed as a patient, like seeing the positivity in your words. And, um, and so I tried to do that and people really grasped onto Mm -hmm. it in a way that I wasn't ready for or knew would happen. Um, I mean, I think, I, I think you learn everyone has a relationship with cancer in some way. Yeah. Um, and they just really started telling me, I mean, like that I was advocating for a, a positive thing. And, and to me, that was like the whole time. That was the one thing that I could, and I had a lot of people telling me that they wanted like updates and that these updates were really making them happy to hear how I was doing. So like I found, I, I did that too. Yeah. Um, it sort of felt like a little bit of a blog sort yeah. of situation. Um, but yeah, even when I look back on it now, I think the same thing. I'm like, wow, I look so happy and healthy ish, <laughs> you know, like, and I, um, I mean, I, I for sure posted when I felt good, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, but the, for, <laughs> I mean, eight months, it was, it was awful. I yeah. felt awful. I yeah. felt, I felt the, the, I don't even know the words for how awful it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so, um, I mean, that's social media in general. You're not, no one, if you have cancer or not, you're not like posting like, hi, I'm sad today. I woke up and I'm sad because of this, you know? So well, some people do You'd be surprised, but <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was just actually, I did an interview with Alyssa Goodman, who is, um, a cancer survivor and she's really big in the wellness world. And she just said to me just how important it is when you are, um, diagnosed and when you're going through treatment and even afterwards is to stay positive. She Mm -hmm. said, it's more important to, keep positive and a well mind than it is to like watch what you eat even which I was surprised because I look at her like oh she's the queen of juices and celery uh juice <laughs> like yeah, that she exactly. just made in her in her not blender juicer um so <laughs> that's what I was looking at her and so I was very surprised when she was talking about the meditation and the positivity aspect of it and that's what from an outside perspective of your watching your diagnosis on Instagram, I was just like, wow, she's really positive. And your group of friends and family and boyfriend just seemed like amazing to you. Yeah. The, the, the thing that I think back on now, because there were so many just like black hole depression times, um, is that it's amazing that uh, someone that I like didn't even know maybe would comment on a post or like a photo or whatever it may be that would make it, it would change the way I felt, you know, and it, and it would be the most random moments, you know, and I think, you know, I, I sadly had, a lot of alone time during my treatment because of my boyfriend's work hours. Um, and my family doesn't live close. So, uh-huh. um, there was a lot of time spent alone on the couch and, um, and yeah, it was a real, it really impacted like my, my dark times, like yeah. where I would be like, okay, he's, you know, he or she that wrote that dumb or not dumb, but that wrote that like, just simple message saying that you've touched me or whatever, keep going, Brooke, you know, do it for us or whatever. Like that made me get up and like get in the bathtub or like get up and make myself something to eat or whatever it might be. I mean, I had a huge support group um, of friends around me in LA and um, this was really hard. I think you, I battled a lot with wanting to let people in and there were periods of time where I just, uh, I couldn't really deal with much more than myself. Yeah. 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 It is crazy. The people that come out of the woodwork, like I had people that I hadn't talked to since high school that were like coming over and bringing me like kitty stuff. And yeah. <laughs> it was like, well, that's, it, it is a, a nice platform to have when that happens. Cause it does help 
make you feel more positive when you're like bombed out sitting on the couch because you can't go outside or you'll get sick. <laughs> yeah. What made you get up in the morning? Like, uh, you know, like how did you, how did you uh, get over your bad days or get through your bad days? Well, yeah. So I had stage three. They gave me the most aggressive um, type of treatment that they could give me, um, which was like uh, three rounds of chemo after the surgery and then five weeks every single day of radiation and then three more rounds of chemo after that. Wow. Um, and, uh, and the chemo was hard. The radiation was the hardest thing. Really? Yeah. I mean, like I got so sick and I lost so much weight and I could not do anything. I could barely eat. Oh, wow. Um, I could barely even be around food. Um, the smell, like smells were affecting me in a really negative way. I, I was, I wasn't like throwing up sick. It happened a few times, but I was just like my gut and my stomach were just wrecked beyond, beyond wreck of the word, you know, um, I was trying my best to do the medication, which that they had told me to do, like uh -huh. in terms of, I mean, it's really like a weird balance of like, do this so that you don't feel like this. And then you're going to start to feel like yeah. this and so then take this so all that you this, don't. And it like, all it's has like, side effects. Yeah. And I also really didn't do well with a lot of the, um, like the nausea me medication made me feel really, really sick. Uh -huh. So I like, I kind of powered through, um, a lot of the stuff without doing a lot of the, um, over, like prescribed medication. I mean, I took a lot of pain medication when chemo was happening, but we, when things started to get really bad, um, my boyfriend and I had like a, I remember we had this big conversation about it. Cause I, I was having a really hard time expressing what I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's that like vulnerability situation that um was difficult for me and I think Dustin did the best that he could up until that conversation you know just knowing what he thought he was supposed to do but I there were other things that I really needed so like we made a plan that every single morning um he would wake up when I would wake up he would usually wake up before me he would come over and he would pull these we had these big long windows and he would pull these big long shades up and he would sing a song. Oh. And um it was such a dorky thing that like <laughs> uh the light really made me feel better and like him doing something positive for me really made me feel better. And then, you know, he would help me get out of bed and, you know, whatever if I if to start the day and he would always get he would make me a he made me a, a green juice and turned it into like a smoothie with lots of other stuff. Celery. Um, oh my God. It was so <laughs> gross. I mean, I have a really hard time drinking them now, but it was like always kale, lots of kale, apple, carrot, pumpkin seeds. Um, oh, wow. we had, he would add the, um, the powder formula stuff that I yeah. was supposed to be taking. Um, there was a uh, peanut butter, um, it doesn't sound as bad as it was, but when you take, when you like drink it every single day <laughs> towards yeah. the end, I was like gagging through it. But, um, yeah, he would do that. And then he would bring me coffee every day. And when I was in radiation, I couldn't drink coffee, but, um, but when I got over that stuff. Wow. So you guys stayed really communicative throughout it and worked on yeah. the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the bad stuff for me was, um again, like I, being alone was really hard for me and uh -huh. I would get really depressed being alone. And, um, I mean, I was crying every single day at certain points. Um, like not the kind of crying that I can even imagine, you know, like the, a different kind of cry. Like I felt little things would scare me so badly and, and like a commercial on the television about cancer or, you know, hearing a seeing something on Facebook about a friend of a friend who died or and it would just tailspin me into such bad places and yeah. and then I think 
the weird thing about cancer is that you, I, I, I keep saying this to people over and over again. Someone said it to me. If you didn't have to lose your hair, I think cancer would be about 500 times easier. Yeah. Because you not only are like going through this massive thing that is, you know, changing your body in so many different ways and making you really, really sick. But also, like, your image of yourself slowly gets yeah. sicker and sicker. Yeah. Um, and I always, I referenced myself as an alien a lot because <laughs> I, it was, like, the only way I could think of it being kind of funny. But, like, you kind of turn into, like, this alien-looking child-like weird thing. And so yeah. that was hard for sure for me. And, um, um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I, we talked. I think every I think everyone. I don't know this for sure because I don't know tons of cancer uh, survivors, but um, everyone gets angry at one point. You yeah. know, it, it's hard to it's hard to realize that it's happening to you. Yeah, you know, and and you go through a lot of feelings like when you're walking around outside, like look at all these people yeah. that aren't do, aren't <laughs> nice people, maybe or maybe aren't doing good things with their life or whatever, which is so horrible to think. But you're like, how? Is it possible? I mean, my particular type of cancer is is ninety percent, like almost more than ninety percent, primarily in women over the age of seventy. Wow! And there's no history of this kind of cancer in my family. There's nothing. I mean, I literally am like an anomaly for the doctors. Um, that they probably will use percentages of wow. things that happened with me for their studies and. So, so yeah, it's just really not, like. Do you have any young people that you know with it at all? I had two friends that um, I knew that had been survivors of cancer. Uh-huh. And um, and they were really, really helpful for times that I was really doing bad. Uh-huh. Um, and kind of more questions that were like, is this, am I feeling, am I, is this normal? Like, yeah. you know, like, I didn't know if some cancer people felt so sad. Yeah. You know, like, or if they felt so helpless or, yeah. or a lot of like, why do I feel, why am I having such a hard time being alone? Like, yeah. is this normal, you know? And, um, I don't think it's easier for anybody by any means, no. but, um, well, it's just, they gave me a lot of pep talks. So. Yeah. It's just hard too when you're, um, like so young and you don't have anyone to talk to about it. That's been through it. Like, yeah, I, breast cancer I mean people are getting it um younger and younger now but when I was in chemo it was all older ladies and they were all amazing and we all became best friends and Manny flirted with them all but (laughs) I um I mean it was just hard I didn't actually meet a breast cancer survivor that was my age until I was like six months out of chemo you know so it's 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 hard when you have no one that knows exactly what you're going through, like yeah. a family and the boyfriends and everyone. They're so helpful to have, but it is hard. Yeah, to- I think it was really hard on him. I mm-hmm. don't think I know that it was really hard on him because um, he was like the only person that was really there for the most part. Yeah. So it was like... um. Yeah, just a lot of yeah. unhappy oh. stuff put on him. Yeah. Uh, he was a champion, you know. I oh, mean, yeah. he was so patient with me. And even in the times that I was screaming, you know, like he would kind of take it Yeah, for a, oh. for a lot of times. And, and now we're working on some of that, <laughs> getting back to, to normal stuff. Yeah, it's just hard. Like I was going to say earlier, um, and then I got all watery-eyed, <laughs> so I stopped. <laughs> but it is hard because you go f- from having this romantic relationship and having long hair and yeah. feeling good about yourself Sexy, to all yeah. of a sudden being bald <laughs> and then being like, uh, like in a caregiver relationship. So see, see, it's sad, but, um, yeah, I mean, sad. that's a hard thing to have to, for, for him and for us 
like my boyfriend and I broke up. We didn't make it through all of oh, cancer, wow. but then we got back together. So it's okay now, but I was devastated, but it was so hard because like we, like our relationship changed so much. And I like turned mean, like you yeah. said, and I was like angry and yelling at him and like being like a mean person. And he took it like for a long time, but you can only take so much when a bald woman is yelling at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like that stuff is the stuff that I probably feel the sad, most sad about yeah. is just like the amount of um, stuff I put on him, you know? Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I could have done that better. I it well, literally it was like I was just trying to kind of hold on. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. We had to do whatever we could do to hold on and to get through it. And now we, we did. And you look, um, I didn't know you before, but I think you look amazing. Like Thank we you, were so talking, you. your hair is insane <laughs> and longer than mine. You finished chemo in February of this year. I finished chemo in February of last year and your hair is like thick and long it's so weird I don't know I mean I yeah I guess everyone's yeah, hair grows everyone's so differently different. I mean I the hair thing was really hard my mom's my mother's a hairdresser and um I grew up in hair salons and like uh I and I I told you earlier that um I lost it not once but twice so like I went through the whole losing it phase and then about like probably three weeks into chemo, everything started growing back. And there is this like, I mean, even when it's just like a little bit, there is mm -hmm. this overwhelming feeling of, wow, it's not only the hair and how you look, but, but for me, it was mostly like, it's, it feels like you're, you're, you're living, you know, you're yeah. healthy. Like, that, like, Oh my God, I'm growing yeah. something instead of things dying, you yeah. know? So like <laughs> that feeling was really great. Um, and then when I went back into chemo, it all fell out again. Yeah. Um, and then you feel like you feel like you look, you look like you're sick. And when yeah. you look like you're sick, that is, makes you feel more sick. At Absolutely. Least, so. I mean, you wore the wigs so well. I, I could never wear them. Like, I tried so hard, and I couldn't do it. It hurt. It, like, bothered my skin, and I felt like I didn't look like myself. And yeah. I just had a really hard time with it. I went, I wore a hat almost every single day when I was bald. But, like, as soon as it started growing back, and the moment that I could take my hat off, I was like, I don't care anymore. Oh. Everyone can just see me bald. Yeah. You, but you look so good at it. I was like, <laughs> wow, she like is going without like her, her, like a hat or wigs. Yeah. And I was like, it was always inspiring to me. I was like, if she can already be going out without a wig, I can too. And then I yeah. did for a while. And then I like looked at the back of my head one day and I have like <laughs> male pattern baldness. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to put on a wig again. <laughs> I love that you still wear them. I think it's yeah, great. Yeah, I like it. I'm, some days I'm blonde, some days I have black hair. Yeah, it's <laughs> so awesome. I'm surprised. I'm such like a, I'm so into fashion and dressing up and I love all that kind of stuff so much. I was so surprised that I didn't fall in love with it. But Yeah. But your hair looks like good. Don't. Like if my hair looked that good, I might keep it like that. Because <laughs> are you wanting to have long hair again or? Like I don't know. I have such weird mixed feelings about it. I, um. I think the process was so insane, like to wrap my brain around that now. Um, and I was very much like a, a long haired, it was part of my image, you know, like yeah. this like kind of wavy hippie sort of thing. And um, yeah, no, I think I'm going to keep it short for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Embrace I it. it looks yeah, I would wonderful. have never done it before, before this all happened. So. That was probably one of the most fun experiences of cancer actually was when I had made the decision that I was going to shave my head before it fell out. Um, and I hear a lot of women say that it was like um, a feel of control because you feel so out yeah. of control through the yeah. whole thing. And my Dustin and I both in the bathroom shaved our heads together. We had champagne oh. and uh, and like it was this crazy. Yeah. Uh, like after it happened, we were both just like, oh, my God. And then we like. <laughs> took all of our clothes off and had sex and it was like this great <laughs> night which is really important to talk about I think because it's like 
going back to what you were saying, I mean, just trying to keep your relationship yeah. alive in those ways is, is really hard. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know how we did it. I look back and I mean, there was a lot of me that needed to feel attractive, attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a real hard part for both of us is like, I would say things a lot like, you know, I need you to still act like you used to act, you know, like that sexual drive needs to be there. And I was, he was like, but you're always sick. So like, I don't know when, yeah, when the right time is. And so, yeah, there was like a lot of communication about how, how to deal with it all between each other. Cause yeah. It well, it so sounds hard. like you guys really, uh, communicated really well we had been in therapy for a little yeah. while <laughs> we well, were I learning think everyone to should be in therapy that's great oh <laughs> uh, no I mean it's yeah I don't I I uh I don't want to ever you know think about my relationship ending but um if it ever did I I mean you know he was there for me in a way that nobody in my entire life has ever been there for me. Yeah. Um, and there, you know, there's no one that will understand what I went through besides him. Yeah. And like, if, if, if it, you know, we're doing very well, so I don't see that happening, (laughs) but I mean, I just, uh, well, he'll always be, I mean, whatever. One of the girls I interviewed, Laura Rubin, um, she was talking to me about how her relationship changed when she went through chemo and um, they ended up breaking up, but she's like best friends with him now. Like she went yeah. to his wedding. She's friends with his wife. She uh, will always, she says he's like a brother now. Like she will always have that special spot. So yeah. um, like no matter what, and obviously I just met him and you guys seem like you have an amazing relationship yeah, yeah, and I know well. him through Instagram. <laughs> But it seems like awesome. But I mean, same with me. Like if, if me and Manny ever were to break up again, I, I mean, I can't ever hate him. You know, he was there with me. Like he shaved my head as well. Like I had a, I had a party where at first everyone got to cut my long hair <laughs> into like a little Taylor Swift bob. And then everyone got to keep their little locket of hair. And then that was like after one week of chemo. And then after two weeks of chemo, when it was starting to actually fall out, then everyone came over and like buzzed it. And then (laughs) Manny buzzed it. My brother buzzed it. But uh, it was like kind of sad. It was like a party pooper. Like I didn't like parties over after the because I didn't even want to look at myself Uh. in the mirror. For a long time, it was sad, but I mean, everyone, I didn't look as good as you look with the bald head. Well, I don't, I mean, I thank you, but I <laughs> sure didn't feel like I looked good at all. I think that when the eye lashes and eyebrows started falling out, it was really like, oh, yeah. Fuck. I mean, I just couldn't believe it, just really felt like never, never ending. And, and I think it was really hard because no one, no one can understand yeah. unless they go through it and people try. Um, but you know, I learned really early on that like, I can't have a huge expectation of what people, how people are going to react and what they're going to say and how they're going to deal with it because no one really knows how to deal with this, yeah. you know? And, and as soon as I kind of came to peace with that, I really was like, okay. I mean, you, I felt, I felt very much like as much as I felt supported, I felt very much on my own with dealing with things. Um, are you doing anything to make your hair grow so fast? The only thing that I'm doing is taking biotin. Biotin. Yeah. How many milligrams? Uh, I'll have to look at the pill. <laughs> I think it's 500. It might be 800. 5,000. 5,000. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. It might be 8,000, but I think it's 5,000. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I don't know. I, uh, it. I don't feel like it's coming back fast. It's so back it's interesting so fast. to hear that. Yeah, it's um, it's so weird. I've never had my normal hair color. I've never had like, I mean, for years. Yeah. So the whole thing is like a very interesting experience. Um, Did you change your eating habits at all? You did? Well, uh, my doctor right out the gate 
and all the nurses were very adamant about saying like, please don't do anything crazy. Like they said they were very against the idea of going raw. They were very against the idea of like just juicing or they actually even said like to Dustin when he was in the doctor's office, um, if she doesn't want to eat, she doesn't have to eat. Like don't force her to eat. Uh, you should always, you know, if she gets to that point, <clears throat> give her like broth or something to drink to, to kind of keep the vitamins going. But um, we, besides the smoothie, I mean, I really, I, I'm a diabetic, I'm a diabetic also. Oh, um, okay. So I tend to eat on a more like protein heavy kind of like vegetable fruit diet as it is. Um, so I really kind of stuck with that. Um, but I mean, Another one of the lessons that someone told me when I was doing really bad was um, that I never will forget was like on the bad days, she was like, just pull the covers over your eyes, eat a weed gummy, you know, or whatever it is that you do and just sleep and just allow yeah. yourself to to let go yeah. and feel sick, you yeah. know, because I think I, w I was really fighting against being sick I wanted to like feel good so bad that it was like I didn't I wasn't doing that and then she was like but on the flip side of that when you feel good like make it the best day ever she was like when you feel good go outside and do and walk you know around the block and like go do something that makes you feel happy that's outside or whatever so on those days I would eat like a hamburger yeah you know and I would eat like lasagna or like whatever it was that I wanted because i I didn't want to <laughs> not have some highs, you know, yeah. in the yeah. whole situation. But yeah. I, I did, I didn't change my eating habits a whole lot. I mean, other than like continuing with like a diabetic friendly diet, um, except for having those smoothies every single day, mm -hmm. Are which you still I really them? think, uh, yeah, we, we dropped off for a minute and I think it was just like when things ended, both of us needed to just break yeah. from everything. Yeah. But, uh, we started up again. Yeah. Just because it's so healthy. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's like you you drink one of those big green smoothies. I mean, mine's like a, a big thing. And you don't have to worry so much about the whole rest of the day. You know, it's like this relief. Like, oh, okay, I had all those vitamins and nutrients. So, um, you know, for the rest of the day, I don't have to be so worried yeah. if I have a burrito or if I have a... Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to have you write that down. Because yeah. I'm going to have to start doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's time consuming. Yeah. And you, and you always have to go to the store and have that, all that stuff, yeah. which is kind of a pain, but. Yeah. Well, dang, it was cool talking to you. Yeah, I learned you a lot. And <laughs> it's just nice to talk to someone that has been through it and, and knows what it's like. Yeah. Same here. I, uh, I am glad that we finally got to meet. Yeah. I feel like I've like been you know, <laughs> this woman that's so awesome is kind of out there in the universe, you know? Um, that's so, how yeah. I felt about you. Man, Instagram makes everyone look so good. <laughs> it really does. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much.